A full-on media meltdown underway as two high-profile left-wingers fall in less than a week. Today, CNN chief Jeff Zucker announced his immediate resignation after failing to disclose a relationship with a subordinate. That's just the start of things. The resignation came shortly after ABC announced it was suspending The View's Whoopi Goldberg after she claimed the Holocaust had nothing to do with race. Gosh, don't you just love it when the left eats its own? We'll get into this on tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. CNN is a trash heap of liberal nonsense. Just start with that. I mean, the place isn't liberal at all. It's actually authoritarian leftism. It's the DNC's Pravda. It's crazy town over there. It has been ever since Donald Trump became the president of the United States because Trump broke them. And now all of a sudden we actually have another major figure, the most major figure at CNN, Jeff Zucker, falling from grace, to put it mildly. Here's Jeff Zucker's resignation letter in part. As part of the investigation into Chris Cuomo's tenure at CNN, I was asked about a consensual relationship with my closest colleague, someone I've worked with for more than 20 years. I acknowledge the relationship evolved in recent years. I was required to disclose it when I began, but I didn't. I was wrong. As a result, I'm resigning today. So there are other reports out there letting it be known that Zucker actually was married. She was married. They started the affair while they were married and that she was, in fact, elevated specifically because of the possibility, at least, of favoritism to a very senior role at CNN after a years-long affair, sexual relationship had been underway here. Now, keep in mind that Jeff Zucker is the tyrant king, whereas a Tucker refers to him sometime, the the dwarf king, I believe, of CNN, uh, that he is the beginning and the end of who gets what job there, and he is the guy who makes determinations about who gets what money. He is somebody with a lot of power. And now you have Brian Stelter out there. Why does he have a job at CNN on TV at all? I think you could ask that. Uh, Here is Brian Stelter saying that Zucker mistress Allison Golust. Well, here's what Brian Stelter talked about. Play it. According to the memo here, there was a consensual relationship that evolved in recent years and that they and he did not disclose it. And thus, that's why he's resigning. I've just received, Kate, while we're speaking here, a, a statement from Allison Gullist as well. As I said, Gullist, the top marketing executive for CNN, she's remaining with the company. And here's what she says, quote, Jeff and I have been close friends and professional partners for over 20 years. Recently, our relationship changed during COVID. I regret that we didn't disclose it at the right time. Uh, Gullis going on to say, I'm incredibly proud of my time at CNN and look forward to continuing the great work we do every day. So here's what really happened with all this, folks. I just want to let you have, you know, as you got there, CNN's own Baghdad Bob, a.k.a. Brian Stelter, trying to convince everybody, you know, this was just a thing that happened. No big deal. It only came to light because, according to the Daily Mail, at least today, CNN's Chris Cuomo, formerly CNN's Chris Cuomo, said that if he didn't get his $18 million payout from CNN, he was going to name names about, oh, I don't know, Jeff Zucker and a little affair that happened. So this wasn't just in the course of normal business. This is where things are getting ugly because there's a lot of money at stake, a lot of power at stake. And CNN is a place where there's no journalistic or other ethics to speak of. Here's a little throwback, by the way. Media bigwigs were gobsmacked. This is in 2017, Thursday night. When CNN chief uh, Jeff Zucker and the cable network's veteran publicist Allison Gullis were seen in a heated exchange in the middle of a party full of media power players, 
It looked as if she was reprimanding her husband or something, laughed one baffled rival exec of the exchange. Interesting. This has been going on for years, folks. Look, I, generally, I don't really care about people's personal lives in media. A lot of people in media are narcissistic loons, and they destroy their lives because they're so in love with themselves that they can't think about anybody else, including their own families. But, you know, I wish everybody the best. I never celebrate anyone's family collapsing or anyone having family trouble at home. That's tough stuff that we all go through as human beings at different levels. But this is about CNN wagging the finger constantly as well at other networks, at other individuals. This is a network that pretends that it is unbiased, that often talks about Me Too and how it is so opposed to sexual harassment. Well, what was going on here? Who knew about this and when did they know it? And in fact, did Alison Gullust here actually get CNN's, uh, or I should say, former CNN President Jeff Zucker's I don't know if she's a girlfriend, a mistress, whatever the preferred nomenclature may be. Who is she? Well, from her official CNN bio, she serves as executive vice president and chief marketing officer for CNN Worldwide. Prior to joining CNN, Gala served as communications director for New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo. Hold on a second. The disgraced governor who had a brother using CNN as a platform not only to promote, but then to protect the governor when he was in trouble, that governor's chief communications person became a senior CNN official who is having an affair with the president of CNN. It's almost like it's one big tangled mess of people who are being dishonest with the public about their work at CNN, who have clear conflicts of interest internally to CNN, externally, the place is a mess. Not surprising though, CNN's gross. Whoopi Goldberg today, another liberal who is in some trouble here. Whoopi Goldberg uh, got a first day, I suppose, of the suspension, two week suspension from her show at The View. Now I think The View serves a very important purpose, which is it's the dumbest show on television that discusses politics, which provides endless entertainment for those of us on the right who like to talk about how ignorant the left is when it comes to news and media and all the rest of it. So there is a need for the view in that sense. But Whoopi Goldberg's in some trouble because, well, this is what she said about the Holocaust on Monday. Well, also, if you're yeah. going to do this, then let's be truthful about it because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. No, it's well, not about maybe race. Maybe it, it, yeah. no, it's about a, a different it, race. But it's it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. No, it was about race. Actually, turns out that some knowledge of history, basic knowledge of very important history, is an important thing if you're going to be on a national TV platform talking about issues like this. ABC News did decide to suspend Whoopi Goldberg. Here's what they said. Well, Whoopi has apologized. I've asked her to take time to reflect and learn about the impact of her comments. The entire ABC News organization stands in solidarity with our Jewish colleagues, friends, family, and communities. That's Kim Godwin, ABC News president. So she's in some trouble on this one too. Let me just be clear. If Whoopi Goldberg were a conservative, she'd be fired. But because she is on the left, she's a Democrat, she supports Democrat causes, she'll have a two-week suspension and go back to her very privileged perch on The View where she's paid millions of dollars 
to say very foolish and ignorant things about American politics on a daily basis. So this is what we are seeing, friends, the double standards at work. Now, the, the people always ask now, well, as a conservative, do you think that we should want them to have to live by the rules they make us live by? I think essentially now, yes, is the likely answer. If they're going to enforce cancel culture against everybody else, they should have to live by the same standards. We should try to make them live by them, but it never really works out that way. As I said, she's not gonna get fired. A person on the right would clearly be fired for this. So what do we do? We keep speaking the truth and let the left make buffoons of themselves. And when they're exposed for the lies, whether it's CNN or exposed for the ignorance at ABC News, or The View, whatever, if that's part of ABC News, we call it out. Coming up after the break, President Biden has formally approved the deployment of 3,000 U.S. troops to Poland, Germany, and Romania, a move which could uh, inflame some tensions in the Russia-Ukraine border situation. We'll have more on that with former Deputy National Security Advisor Stephen Yates when we come back. But first, let's talk about protecting the most important asset you own, your home. 100% of the equity in your home can be stolen by cyber criminals. And once it's gone, years of hard work and savings are wiped out in an instant. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes, which is why you need to go to HomeTitleLock.com, America's leader in home title protection. Here's the problem. The deed to your home is the only document that proves you own it. And the deeds to all our homes are online now. In minutes, a criminal can forge your name off the deed to your home and refile as the new owner. Like one new homeowner who spent a fortune in legal fees when a thief forged himself onto the deed to his home and took out loans. Or another homeowner whose common identity theft service didn't protect her after a criminal forged the deed to her home and had her evicted. It could have been protected, though, by Home Title Lock. Home Title Lock is your peace of mind that the deed to your home is protected. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Stephen Yates coming up next. Stay with us. Breaking early today, President Biden formally approved additional U.S. military deployments to Europe in response to the Russian uh, tension with Ukraine. Biden plans to send about 3,000 troops to Poland and Germany, although no one has been shipped out just yet. This move comes amidst stalled talks with the Kremlin and new satellite images that reveal the vast scope of the Russian military buildup around Ukraine's border. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said that Russia can strike at any moment. Here's what he said. We believe that he has enough capability to move now if he wants to. Um, uh, he, and he continues to add to that capability and those options. Um, and he could, depending on what his goal is here and what he wants to do, he, he could move imminently any, at, at, at any time. Here with reaction, former Deputy National Security Advisor, Steve Yates. Steve, great to see you. Thank you, Buck. Great to be with you. Is there going to be a war here, Steve? I mean, let's start with the big question. Well, I actually assume there won't be a war. Uh, I sort of see Putin as having pushed on this door, expecting some resistance, possibly even surprised to get this odd gift in return from President Biden of, well, if it's just a minor incursion. And to hear the Pentagon spokesperson basically preparing the battle space for something to happen, it's just a very, very odd strategy from the United States. And by odd, I mean a failed and weak strategy by the United States. In that context, there's very little for Putin to gain by pushing to the max right now. He's getting concessions while keeping temperatures high and trying to push negotiations the directions he wants. Is there a downside for him? I guess what the 
expense of the deployment? If, if this does turn into essentially a giant head fake to get concessions, is there any, I mean, is there any downside for Putin from that perspective? I don't really see a downside for him. He's flexed the nationalism muscle a little bit. Uh, my, get, my bet is he's getting concessions. Uh, he's already had some early concessions from Team Biden and Team Europe, most notably Germany leading the way, uh, blocking people from sending material support to the Ukraine. Uh, and so I think Putin's actually... Uh, net plus through all of this. Uh, and I say that not liking the guy or wanting to admire what they're all about. It just seems like he's played what otherwise would be a relatively weak hand. People forget Russia's economy is tiny compared to that of Europe. It's just that Europe can't seem to get its act together and take care of its own neighborhood. Putin yesterday at a press conference on NATO and Eastern Europe said, as you know, we have been promised by NATO that it will not advance its infrastructure one inch further eastwards. Everybody knows that. Today, we see where NATO is, Poland, Romania, the Baltic states. They said one thing and did another. As the people say, they played us. They simply lied. What's the truth of that statement there, Stephen? Well, NATO did expand, uh, and we do have some of those, I think, exceedingly wonderful countries that are part of an alliance that seems to be losing its way. The newer members of the alliance seem a bit clearer about strategic priorities related to China, Russia, and the world as we know it. And it's sort of postmodern Europe that's lagging behind. Uh, the issue with Ukraine, though, is if Ukraine were to actually become a NATO member, we would have automatically on day one be in a technical declaration of war. There's already territory that's been taken and occupied among that new NATO member. It raises an interesting policy challenge at the outset. My sense is that those bureaucrats don't want any part of it, and Putin's going to get his status quo on NATO being where it is. Now. I kind of wonder on, on all this, Steve, I mean, how do you think the Biden administration is, look, I mean, I think Biden's a clown, the people around him are imbeciles. Anyone who watches the show knows that. I mean, you know, some of them are maybe kind of book smart, but in general, their judgment is crap and their view of the world is something I deeply disagree with. Is there much more that Biden should have done in this? I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of want to get away from just the reflexive, like, well, I mean, Buck thinks he's a dumbass, so, you know, okay, well, should he have done more? What's going on? Well, I can't refute any of your diagnosis right there. Uh, but really, if you want to go from the start of the Biden administration, you'd begin with how about first do no harm? There was no reason to pull back from the missile defense commitments. There was no reason to get in the way of the sanctions stopping the Nord Stream 2. There was no reason to have what I consider to be provocative weakness. There was no reason to sort of tilt the hand and say, oh, no, well, maybe there will be a minor incursion. There's also no reason to pretend as if Russia is the premier threat to American national security in the world. It just empirically is not. It is not a good actor. It may be a threat or a challenge in areas like cyber and others. But as I said, the magnitude of Russian power and influence is not what it was in the Cold War. We face much, much more immediate threats of terrorism from an Iran and much more profound cultural and civilizational threats from the communist Chinese. And I think that they have vested so much time distracting us from those real issues where they're bad or don't have a clue. And that's why we get Russia, Russia, Russia all the time still. Stephen, um, going forward here, you think that people are going to realize that a lot of the hype 
I mean, when I say people, there are those of us who knew that all the Russia, Russia, Russia stuff was just a big lie to get Trump and, and you know, they use it for political purposes. But going forward, do you, th you think that people may decide that they recognize that China, which you know a whole lot about and you're a fluent Mandarin speaker, uh, is the much bigger challenge than Russia and that our foreign policy and media focus actually should dramatically shift? I, there's polling out there that I think suggests that a lot of the American public and frankly, a lot of the public around the world is moving in that direction and recognizes that China is a much more strategic player. Even even countries like the Baltics, uh, Lithuania taking on a challenge with uh, with with China, inciting on uh, establishing economic relations with Taiwan and standing up to the bullying. Uh, you know they they're showing that they're looking beyond the horizons of just their neighbor of Russia. And so I think that that a lot of people are getting it. Unfortunately, if they're still spoon fed their information through McPaper, as USA Today can be sometimes, or some of the dominant media, they don't, they have not seen the counter narrative that's out there. And so we have like half the country dialed into this, but too much of the country still tiled in, dialed into the, the ideological programming of the last five years. Steve, as always, illuminating. Good to see you. Thank you, Buck. Take care. A new study from Johns Hopkins University shows that many of us have been saying for a long time now that lockdowns pretty much don't do a damn thing. Take a look at that in tonight's Buck Brief. But first, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise that your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and security tool called Secure, spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and is offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communication is based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without any of the big tech platforms spying on you. Look, without real security, people can see your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mind your data, never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, anybody with total confidence that you are actually secure. S-E-K-U-R, friends. It is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more. Hold the line. A recent study from Johns Hopkins University confirms what many of us have been saying for years now. Lockdowns are useless and should be rejected everywhere. Despite being implemented in nations around the world, including right here, of course, in the U.S., they resulted in actually unnecessary deaths and economic destruction, not to mention untold psychological damage, particularly to kids. So when will the madness end? When will there be accountability? We'll take a look at the facts from the Johns Hopkins study in tonight's Buck Brief. What happens when you crunch the numbers? You find out that when it comes to COVID, the experts have been wrong much more than they've been right. And they've been wrong on pretty much the biggest issues all along. And now we're in a phase of discussion where they wanna just move on and say, you know, fog of war, a lot of things are complicated and difficult. And so what if we ruined lives, businesses, took away basic freedoms, fired people from their jobs, forced shots into people's arms who didn't want them, you know, tough times. I'm sorry, that's not acceptable. We're not gonna just let them slink away after all the garbage that they have been peddling, particularly the CDC, Fauci and NIAID. 
and the Democrat media apparatus that used panic over COVID to try to defeat and successfully, unfortunately, defeat Donald Trump in 2020. Well, let's look at lockdowns for a moment, because that was the original moment of panic maneuver from the Fauciites. There's a big Johns Hopkins University study that just came out, numerous data scientists just crunching all the numbers. And here's what they found. No evidence that lockdowns, school closures, border closures, and limiting gatherings have had a noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality. They have, however, contributed to reducing economic activity, raising unemployment, reducing schooling, causing political unrest, contributing to domestic violence, and undermining liberal democracy. So let's be clear about what this is saying. Total failure, top to bottom with lockdowns, enormous costs, and no real benefits. So we're not even talking about huge benefits weighed against massive costs. We got massive costs and basically no benefit. This is what you would call a very bad deal for society, for the American people. Let's do a flashback for a moment here. From November 25th of 2020, a fact check. Studies show COVID-19 lockdowns have saved lives. Eh, wrong. But do they care now that the data is actually much more robust, much more accurate? We have a much larger data set with which to work. No, of course not. They don't care at all because this was about them getting their way. This was about the power of the Democrat left during a time of global health panic. Here's a David Limbaugh tweet, by the way. The Johns Hopkins study on the COVID lockdown showed that uh, the recklessness of the left's staggering arrogance about following the science, and it illustrates that their muzzling of dissenting opinions is both anti-science and horrifically dangerous. That is absolutely true. There's been no humility whatsoever from the Democrat left over any of this. There's been no decision ever made. You know what? Let's take stock of where we were right, where we were wrong, and try to be better in the future. It's just shut up, peasants, sit down, do what Fauci tells you. And if you say, hold on a second, what Fauci told me last week was different, and it looks like he was wrong, they say, quiet, peasant, wear your mask. In fact, double mask and get your fourth shot. Hmm. Now let's take a look at the political side of this. Joe Biden got elected promising to shut down the virus, not shut down the economy. Yeah, about that. Here he is back in the day, and here he is now. Biden supercut, hit it. I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. I'm going to shut down the virus. I'll shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. What I would say is I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Wait, he was going to shut down the virus. That's what he said over and over again. And now that it's been a massive failure and the federal government hasn't been able to do a damn thing to stop this virus, he's all... Uh, it's going to be a state level thing. Oh, really? What, what a surprise. And if you're wondering, do they even have to admit that they have not been successful in the fight against this virus? I mean, here's just Jen Psaki, White House chief propaganda czar today saying, oh, no, we're still at war with the virus. Watch. Of course, uh, we are still at war uh, with a virus uh, that is continuing. And, and that is the president's top priority. He has said that before. Still at war with the virus. This is the president's top priority. Interesting. Um, because I thought at this point, we all had gotten so many of these shots and done all the social distancing and the masking that we, you know, we'd be better. Uh, turns out not so much. But do they take a step back and say, hold on, maybe we shouldn't have pushed so hard in some of these areas? No. In fact, they keep doubling down, 
even on failed policies, even the things that don't work, that don't make sense, that are tyrannical. This was just in today. U.S. Army soldiers who refuse to get a COVID-19 vaccine will immediately be discharged. That's according to Reuters. Uh, someone explained to me why members of the military should leave their jobs. They've been willing to serve this country, to put their lives in line if necessary for their fellow Americans, but they won't get a shot that has only temporary protection from hospitalization and death, does effectively nothing to stop infection and spread of a virus. Why should they lose their jobs for this? Does anyone ever stop and ask that question? No, of course not. They would rather lecture you on how Fauci is brilliant. Maybe we can do another spread in Vanity Fair with him looking like the evil little Smurf he is. Just wondering, just wondering at what point it's too much. By the way, you wanna know how cruel this can get? I mean, they're abusing children by leaving them outside in freezing temperatures in the, in the United States because they're scared of them giving the virus to adults. Remember, children are at very little risk and rarely spread the virus at all. And they're masking them up and sitting them in 30 degree temperatures to eat their lunch outdoors. There's cruelty going on here. I mean, in Western Australia, they have banned unvaccinated parents from seeing their kids in the hospital. Watch this. West Australian parents who are unvaccinated will be banned from seeing their own sick children in the state's hospitals under the new strict laws drawn up by Premier Mark McGowan. The tough new rules will come into play from January 31. Only those with exemptions from the vaccine or under compassionate grounds, including end-of-life visits, will be allowed to step inside the hospitals, which includes visiting their own kids. The primary war is no longer against the COVID virus, friends. It is against COVID madness. That's where we are now. All right, coming up with the opening ceremonies of the Winter Olympics, just two days away, China is making its final preparations to make sure the games run as smoothly as possible and that they can get as much propaganda value as, uh, out of it as they can. We'll have more on that with senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation, Dean Chang, when we come back. But let's talk about the stock market. The market's very volatile right now, and one of the few people who predicted the 2020 crash is warning that something really big is coming in 2022. His name is Mark Chaikin, and his newest prediction has gone viral with 1.5 million views. I've met Mark personally. He's a 50-year veteran of Wall Street. He's a very smart guy. So I'm encouraging you to pay attention to this message. According to Chaikin, a historic event in 2022 will cause a massive shift in the wealth divide, and it's going to affect anyone who owns stocks. He's predicting that a new form of technology is gonna disrupt everything and change the way thousands of companies will need to do business in 2022. It'll affect everyone from Apple to Amazon, he says. Look, you got to watch his full brand new warning free of charge by going to 2022stockmarketmessage.com. That website is 2022stockmarketmessage.com, all one word, 2022stockmarketmessage.com. The Heritage Foundation's Dean Chang is up next. All eyes are on China as the Winter Olympics are just two days away from opening in Beijing. The games come at a precarious time as the Chinese Communist Party faces increased scrutiny over its human rights abuses and heightened tensions with Taiwan. So what can we expect in the days leading up to the international event of the year? Senior fellow in China Affairs for the Heritage Foundation, Dean Chang, joins now to discuss. Dean, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Just first, what, what are your expectations for this Olympics? Are, are you expecting, I mean, I've seen some news reports today that some athletes may actually boycott the opening ceremony. Is this going to be uh, a very political Olympic Games in ways, or do you think it'll go off without much of that at all? 
Well, I think the Chinese are absolutely going to do their best to make it look like the spectacle that uh, Olympic opening events usually are, the parade of athletes, the flags, and all that sort of thing. They will do their best to make sure that no camera time is spent on anyone staging protests. Uh, they will try to make sure that the broadcasters gloss over any athletes who might be missing. Um, and uh, really, uh, the goal here is to present this as yet another triumph for the Chinese Communist Party. In what ways is President Xi Jinping going to try to uh, capitalize on this? And, and I mean, how do you see, well, the, the Chinese Communist Party clearly wants it, as you point out, to look like the Olympics with all the pomp and circumstance of it, uh, as it as it normally does. But what are the other messages that China's Communist Party is going to try to push on this? Well, Xi Jinping faces an interesting challenge later this year. He, uh, The 20th Party Congress is going to be at in probably the last quarter of the year, where they will basically grant him a third term, something that flies in the face of Deng Xiaoping's uh, efforts to really sort of standardize, regularize, and impose term limits even on party officials. To do that, she needs to be able to say, look, the world looks up to China, the world respects China, and I did that. Um, so the Olympics is in some ways uh, that global stamp of approval. Um, and she is going to want to make sure that there's no overt protests, certainly no terrorist incidents, no cyber hacking attacks, nothing that will disrupt this you know, moment on the world stage. Is it is it possible you think, I mean, if any athletes were to embarrass China with acts of protest or speaking out politically, is the expectation that at a minimum the Chinese authorities would just expel that athlete? Or do you think they could even detain somebody for saying the wrong thing? I mean, right now there are reports about how athletes from the U.S. are being told to go in uh, with essentially burner phones, don't bring your home devices because of surveillance and the possibility of leave behind viruses on any device they may bring with them. Uh, that That's pretty scary stuff. I mean, how extreme do you think the Chinese government will be in clamping down on any political dissent that may come up? And what kind of actions would they take? Well, when the Canadians detained Meng Wanzhou, the CFO for Huawei, the Chinese government basically grabbed a bunch of Canadian citizens who were in China, uh, one of whom was a former diplomat, um, and basically held them hostage. And no coincidence, when the Biden administration then walked away from that prosecution, something for which the Canadians had stuck their neck out, uh, the Chinese promptly released these two Canadian citizens. So, and that was something that, you know, was a single person without a global stage. So if you imagine athletes protesting literally at the medal ceremony, I think that is quite likely that they would be expelled. They may be detained there. The Chinese have made very clear that anyone who advocates, for example, for Hong Kong independence anywhere in the world could be subject to extradition and prosecution in China. So somebody doing that in China is in a sense, making a challenge to the Chinese that I think that they're willing to play chicken and go ahead and arrest them. What is the situation right now of COVID in China, by the way? I know that the state media is going to be involved in all kinds of, of suppression of any, and has been involved in that for a 
all time as we've been in the era of COVID. But right now, you know, we're going through the, you know, the, the downslope, it seems, of the Omicron surge. Uh, China has a different vaccine, different policies. Have they been hit hard? What's going on? We've got the Olympics happening. Is, is COVID a big problem in China right now? Right. So first off, uh, your audience will be gratified to know that according to official Chinese statistics in a nation of 1.3 billion people, only 45,000 to 46,000 people have ever died of COVID. That is the official Chinese story. And they're so what, sticking what was that number? Something like 46,000. 46,000, wow, okay. In a country of 1.3 billion, you can choose to believe it or not, but that's that's the official Chinese number. Um, However, uh, this uh, week, I believe, uh, something like 120 Chinese have been reportedly testing positive for COVID-19 uh, in Beijing alone, uh, which is the main airport, uh, location of the main airport coming into China. Uh, various cities, Xi'an is probably the most well-known at this point, have locked down. And when we're talking lockdown, we are talking about literally people being uh, locked in their homes and having bars and, and boards welded across their doors. For two weeks. That is the Chinese zero COVID policy. They are, they are no nonsense. So there is a COVID problem in China. How much it will affect the competitors? I mean, um, almost certainly all the athletes are going to be locked away in the Olympic Village, uh, probably sequestered from uh, the average Chinese. But it's an interesting question of, you know, if there was an outbreak, would the Chinese try to do a zero COVID policy on all of the athletes? You know, right now the Biden administration is fumbling on the world stage and it's been more interested in talking about climate change with China and crippling the United States' own military instead of seriously addressing China's growing military capabilities. I mean, why is the White House so consistent in cooperating, you think, with President Xi and the Chinese Communist Party, at least you know, on some issues when they talk about climate change? And it feels like very muted on, or at least rhetorically speaking, uh, going along with them on climate change. But the, the Biden regime feels like, or I should say the Biden White House, feels like it doesn't have a lot of harsh words for China. Am I missing something? Well, to be fair, uh, the administration uh, has uh, maintained uh, the conduct of freedom of navigation operations in the South China Sea, something that uh, uh, Joe Biden's former boss did not do for many years. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, let's remember, Joe Biden campaigned and said repeatedly, the most important threat facing America, the most important thing that I will do if I'm elected is address climate change. And you're not gonna address climate change unless you work with China. Even Kurt Campbell, who a lot of people think is the administration's toughest nut on China, uh, he, he's a senior official on China in the uh, you know, national security establishment, has come out and said, we're gonna confront China, but we still have to cooperate with them because of climate change. So you've got a really uh, almost schizophrenic kind of view of we are worried about China. They're stealing our stuff. They're building up their military. They're building hundreds of nuclear missile silos. But I got to work with China because of climate change. It's remarkable. Dean, always appreciate the expertise and uh, calling balls and strikes as you do. We appreciate it. Always happy to be on a guest. A Pennsylvania mother complains that her child's fifth grade teacher lined up students according to their skin color and made the white kids 
apologize to the black kids. Yeah, this is what critical race theory is doing in our education system, my friends. We'll bring that story to you and more coming up next in Quick Hits. One man in Ottawa, Canada has a hilarious temper tantrum over the Freedom Convoy and the Dean of Students at Georgetown Law School addresses students on where the appropriate safe spaces are on campus to cry. That's right, our future lawyers, everybody. It's time for quick hits. Uh, first of all, I mean, this is just remarkable. It's appalling, but you know this stuff is happening in schools across America. As you've no doubt heard at this point, there's a big fight underway between the left and the right in this country over the teaching of critical race theory in schools, or at least something approximating critical race theory, and parents are fed up with it. We keep hearing different things, though, from the libs. They say there is no critical race theory in school, or they say what is being taught is not critical race theory, or you can't talk about critical race theory unless you have a PhD in critical race theory, or whatever. They're always playing these games. But then we hear these stories and we see the teaching materials and we say, hold on a second, something is up here. There is CRT and it is widespread. It is systemic in the public school system in America and in a lot of private and parochial schools too. Well, here's a mother in Pennsylvania who was saying that her child, she's complaining about how her child, a fifth grade, was, was a fifth grade student was lined up by the teacher and the students were lined up according to skin color and the white children were made to apologize to the black children. Watch this. I just wanna counteract that. I actually pulled my daughter out of AM Culp because of the fifth grade teacher who lined those students up from whitest to darkest, made them turn around and the white ones needed to apologize to the black ones. Now, do not tell me that did not happen, okay, in this district. You need to put an end to this. Kids do not see color, and you are segregating them, and you are separating them. This is not okay. Do something or get out of those damn chairs. She's speaking for a lot of parents across America whose kids are being subjected to CRT and realize that this is just disastrous. So here's a guy in Ottawa who had a bit of a meltdown over the honking from the Freedom Convoy, which as you know, is protesting the tyrannical COVID mandates in Canada, including the cross-border mandate for truckers to be vaccinated. And this guy is not a fan of the convoy. I think that's fair to say, watch. Um, I just say that, uh, look, I'm pretty grumpy when I don't get enough sleep, so there's that part of it. But uh, I think the Freedom Convoy doesn't care what this guy has to say. And apparently Justin Trudeau doesn't care either, but how long is that going to hold out for? We'll see. Here we have a University of Kentucky college student mocking a photo of an abortion victim? Oh my God, watch this. I'd kill my baby if I got pregnant. I literally would. Are you kidding me? No uterus, no kidding. 
so much so much evil and cruelty being taught to people in the name of the fake constitutional right of abortion. But that may end this spring, hopefully, God willing. Dean of Students at Georgetown Law School, which is in the midst of a whole oh, kerfuffle over Ilya Shapiro, a guy I actually know and I've interviewed many times in the past, a smart guy. I think he might have even been a guest on this program. I've talked to him on other programs. He's in a uh, whole lot hot water for a tweet where he worded something poorly, but it's under, it's, it's clear what his intent was. Uh, and he now has students calling for him to be fired. Well, some of the students at Georgetown Law are so upset about what he tweeted that they need a room to cry in. Here's the Dean of Students, watch. Uh, it's really hard to walk out of Carrie. It is really, really hard to walk out of class or a meeting in tears. And you should always have a place on campus where you can go and feel like you're not then also under people's eyes and observation. Maybe you don't want to answer a question of what's going on or what's wrong. And if you're finding that you're not getting the person you want to talk to or not getting a space that you need, reach out to me anytime, anytime. Uh, and we will find you space and we will find you the right space. Oh boy, rooms for people to cry in because of a tweet from a professor that he didn't even mean what they're saying he meant, and he's already apologized and deleted it, but they want him fired, and they're still crying over it because they're cry bullies. It's the reality of the American left today. The No Spin News with Bill Rise up next. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. Talk to you tomorrow. Shields high.